Hello, Bridgetown Church. This is Tyler Stanton of Oaks Church, Brooklyn, in New York City. If you're anything like me, you've been through a number of COVID phases by now, kind of like the stages of grief. Pete Hughes, a friend of mine, shared this insight with me that's really stayed with me. When a community of people experience crisis or trauma together, there are typically three stages. First, there's the heroic, the the human instinct to rise to the occasion, which is mostly willpower. And willpower varies person to person, depending on discipline, resolve, pain threshold, and that kind of thing. But the one universal truth is that regardless of the person, willpower is a depleting resource. So inevitably, the heroic eventually gives way to the second stage, disillusionment. Grief, numbing out, turning inward, judgment, anger, paralyzing levels of empathy. There's an endless array of the expressions of disillusionment. But at its core, it's honestly admitting to myself, I want out. I'd never choose this, and I'm not enough to rescue us. I'm helpless, and I'm stuck here. And that drives us into the third phase, which is hopeful rebuilding. But hope only comes to those who have patiently fully experienced these first two stages. Now, my journey along that path has been long and slow and not without getting lost and stepping on a few thorns, but somewhere in the late summer, I think I arrived at hopeful rebuilding. And when I did, I found prayer language in the form of Psalm 108. And so I began to pray that Psalm every day. Every morning, I'd make a cup of coffee, take a step outside, Just breathe for a minute and then begin to pray these ancient words. My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I've got it memorized now. I never set out to memorize it, though. I set out to pray it until it got from my head into my bloodstream because these old words gave language to my current experience. They said to God what I wanted to say to God but didn't have the language for. They expressed my thoughts and emotions and circumstances and the complex struggle to sort out how God fits into all of that. I found a COVID companion in Psalm 108. And the Psalms, if you're unfamiliar, are just a book of prayers. They're wedged right into the middle of the Bible, but they're unique among the 66 books because most of the Bible tells us what. It tells us what God's up to and how his story has unfolded in history, but the Psalms tell us how. They tell us how it feels to live in the space between incredible promise and painful circumstance, how it feels to stay awake to God when there are plenty of distractions that promise escape from reality, and God, on a daily basis, tends to be mysterious and challenging and sometimes amazing, but often boring. The Psalms give permission to our daily experience. And Psalm 108 is unique because none of the words in this psalm are original. They're just a mashup of two of David's old prayers, Psalm 57 and Psalm 60. He wrote both of those psalms before this one. So they were his old prayers. It's like he's drawing from his journal entries at other pivotal moments in his life, times when God seemed to be very clear and very close. These are treasured moments of clarity when prayer just flowed effortlessly from his heart and into his pen onto paper. But Psalm 108 is different. It's angsty. David took these two old prayers, cut out sections, and then made a collage to form a new prayer that said what he really wanted to say 
at this particular moment. And the psalm begins with David's voice speaking. My heart, O oh God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. So look, like I said, the prayer is angsty. But David doesn't just begin by like barging into the boss's office with the complaint. First, he remembers who he's talking to. And then, copy and pasted from a different one of his old prayers, the, the speaking voice switches. It's God's voice that responds. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Now, this bit is lost on most of us, but it's pure gold. See, these are very well-known geographical places to David and to the ancient readers. If we wrote the same prayer today, it would say something like, New York is mine. Portland is mine. Tokyo is my helmet. Bogota is my scepter. But he's doing more than just listing well-known cities. This is promised land language. Shechem is where Abraham first arrived when the set when he set out without a map or a child, just a promise of a resting place where a nation was going to grow. That, that's all the way back in Genesis 12. But Shechem is also where the 12 tribes assembled to portion out the promised land later in, in Joshua 13 through 21, where they divide up the land into portions belonging to Israel's 12 tribes which go by the names Gilead, Manasseh, Judah, and so forth. So David is listing the property lines of the promised land. He's reminding God of God's own promises. He's remembering a time when God was leading us to a future of rest and favor and peace, when it was all vision and we were running full speed ahead, wide-eyed and full of hope. And then in the prayer's third and final movement, the speaker switches back to David after he remembers the character of the God he's talking to and reminds God of God's own promises. He then prays what he really wants to pray. Who will lead me to the fortified city? Who will bring me to Edom? Is it not you, God, who have rejected us? Let me try to update that language for you. Where are you, God? And what's taking you so long? Are you paying attention at all? Why go slow and live with so much suffering? Are you even there? Are you annoyingly slow or unforgivably apathetic or some combination of the two? Because the promises of the past feel like a weightless fairy tale in the present. I'm actually living in here. I've gotten really well acquainted with this old prayer. I've prayed it every morning for nearly six months now. Because these old words give prayer language to my present circumstances. They drag ancient promises into the present and then invite God to fill the gap. And so I offer to you today a gift given to me by King David, a reverent, grounded prayer from the gut, telling it like it is, but also leaving room for hope leaving room for God to come in and surprise us again, creating out of a mess, making a way where there is no way. So let's pray this prayer of David together in our time. I'll guide you through its three major movements, and then I'll leave some space for you to add your own words inspired by each of those movements. So wherever you're listening, 
And with whatever is going on around you right now, I invite you to assume a posture of prayer, offering your heart and your imagination to the God who hears. My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. First, remember who you're talking to. Love higher than the heavens and faithfulness beyond the horizon. He shows his glory down here on the earth and the commonness of ordinary life. He stretches out his hand to save. He's never too busy or too important to be bothered. Remember the God revealed to us and to you in Jesus. That's the listening ear on the other side of your prayer. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my washbasin. On Edom, I toss my sandal. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Recall the promises of God. The resurrection promises a free access to the Father's love, intimate friendship with the Son, and an unquenchable well of the Spirit's power. Promises to forgive an infinite number of times for the same offense, grace that outruns every failure, and favor that never stops laughing at the shores of your single little life. And maybe even the most personal of promises. Prophetic words or whispers from a time alone with God. Moments of clarity from another chapter in your spiritual journey. When God's voice seemed clearer and His presence nearer. Invite God to remind you of His promises to you. Those promises stand even now. His faithfulness reaches to the sky. He hasn't forgotten you. Hasn't forgotten the promise. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, God, who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy, for human help is worthless. With God, we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. And now, friends, it's freestyle time. Name the gap between God's character and promises and your reality? Where is he absent that you long to know his presence? Where is he silent that you need his voice? Where is he weak that you need his strength? Name the gap. And don't worry about being polite. David didn't. 
God, who knows what we need before we ask him, who searches the hearts of men and women and knows you even better than you know yourself, he can take it. And you don't actually have any secrets from him anyway, so you might as well let it rip. Name the gap. Heavenly Father, give us aid against the enemy, for human help is worthless. But with you, God, we will gain the victory, and you will trample down our enemies. God, fill our gaps. We need to know you here and now. We don't need a decent morning reflection podcast or a new worship playlist or an above-average sermon or a second cup of coffee. We need you and nothing else will do. So as we go into our days today, walk with us and surprise us with your presence disguised in the ordinary in response to our prayers. As David said, let your glory cover the earth in my little life today. Amen.